1: Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and Your Golden Years. This evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Right here on blogtalkradio.com and on com, And today is Sunday, May twenty second, 2022, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, And we are back live from beautiful Austin, Texas, where we're finally having some relief from the heat for a few days. And Art Mendoza of Accomplished Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us to make the show run smoothly as usual. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined from New York City by Dr. Juliette Bruce to discuss the healing power of storytelling, especially during this time when so many are experiencing all sorts of losses. And then later in the show, I'll continue my discussion about late-life depression Last week, I talked about how to recognize it, and this week, I'll talk a bit about treatment and prevention. And after the show, you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight, along with all of the website links that are given on the program um, during our discussion. And you can hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends. By going directly to Blog Talk Radio, b l o g Radio dot com slash your golden years, and you can also hear the podcast on Apple Podcasts after the show ends. And for information from previous programs, go to my website, drmaricarpell. dot com. You can go to blogtalkradio.com Talk dot com slash your golden years to hear all of the previous programs as well as Apple Podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Facebook to find out what's coming up in the future. Dr. Mara Carpell, your golden Years. This show is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by A MightyGoodTime.com. Wondering what to do after you're 50? How about having a mighty good time and much more? Whether it's in person or virtual, anything can be found to fill your day with other people. So be more active. Start connecting with other people. Go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. Okay, we're going to take a very brief break. Don't go anywhere because... Once we come back, we'll be joined by Dr. Juliette Bruce to talk about the healing power of storytelling. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Super psychologist Dr. Mara Karpel will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive there are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com.
1: And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and Your Golden Years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpel.com. And now joining us on the phone from New York City, we have writer and healing story practitioner, Dr. Juliet Bruce, and she's joining us this evening to discuss the healing power of story during these difficult times. Welcome, Juliet. Mara, hi. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. I can hear you fine. Um, I just want to remind you and also for our listeners that there's a slight delay, maybe half a second. um, Just helps to keep us from tripping over each other while we're speaking. How are you doing this evening? Well, we seem to be in the middle of a blackout. (laughs) Is it very hot there in New York? Is that it's why it's very hot? Yes,
2: it's very hot. And so, what I'm thinking is that just overuse of air conditioners yep. blew a fuse in New York City. So as I look down, I I'm up high, and I, as I look down, uh, the whole West Side is dark. So yeah, that's, just my that's
1: pretty common when when it gets very hot there. Um, you guys. Right. got the heat, and we we got a little bit of a a, a reprieve from the heat.
2: <laughs> or else it's the Russians, <laughs> <All> right?
1: <laughs> that could be okay. So so Juliet, before we jump into this discussion about um, healing storytelling, um, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of your background. Okay, well, I was a journalist, and
2: I wanted to be more... For 15 years, I was a journalist, but I wanted to be more engaged with the people whose lives I was covering. So on a whim, I entered a maximum security unit for mentally ill prisoners in in a a mental hospital in Washington, D.C., where I used to live, and I knew nothing... (laughs) About poetry therapy or narrative therapy, I just was a writer of fiction and uh i I shared story with them, I told them stories, and then I invited them to just respond and then to write and then to share with all of us and i t- by necessity i it was a very egalitarian group i because i wasn 't an expert, but that very uh-huh. vulnerability uh is what made the group unique and safe for these men, and they did so well uh, with gaining voice, gaining their own voice, that 16 out of 20 men were transferred to medium security. So that was my call. I, it was a call to this work, and I've been doing this work now for 30 years, almost 30 years, with every wow. possible kind, Yeah, with almost every possible kind of population dealing with trauma with change, difficult change, with bereavement, uh, or with just a yearning to grow through creative expression. So while mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. and I, I have a Ph.D. in expressive arts therapy, uh, so I use, to support the narrative part, I, I often use visual arts as well or movement. But, but story, it's all within the container of story. Mm-hmm. Beginning. Mm-hmm. So okay, and, and the the art. Do you want me to tell you what what that looks like? Sure, sure. So so what's really powerful about story is that it's a journey of change. It's a metaphorical journey of change, crisis, creative struggle, and transformation. That's act one. That's act two. That's act three. And that mirrors the process of life, of life, death, and rebirth. So healing story always holds the whole reality of life, the chaos of life. But it rises out of the ashes into a kind of a transcendent new life. And the protagonist of the story, whether it's a group or an individual, comes back to the people that. City, the town, the country, with some kind of solution to the problem that the that the that set the story into motion that was creating disorder and chaos. So whether it's the Grail which heals all wounds, or a magic elixir, or just a a formula for change, which is what I believe I bring, um, it helps people navigate very difficult times in their lives. And not just that, it's communal. It helps people connect with one another at a very deep level and and come out of the isolation that leads to so many of our problems, particularly in this time, and uh, feel that they belong to one another. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing.
1: That's great. And, you know, um, the reason that I had invited you on at this time was because I think that we need more healing more than ever. Um, it seems that, you know, we people thought that after two years of COVID and, you know, with the majority of people being vaccinated that and getting out more, that everything would be just bright and sunny and everything was over and we were all doing great um but that's not really what happened we're being hit by so many other traumas um as well as a continuation of the trauma related to covid um war and you know violence in our own country and um you know as you and i talked about on the phone um a lot of losses um both during covid and currently so, so how, how can we use storytelling to, to heal from this and to be able to move forward and not feel stuck? That's another feeling people have is, is being stuck. So you know what happens? Somebody, we
2: express our depression, our fear, our anxiety, and a well-meaning family member or friend tries to cheer us up with look at all the things you've got to be grateful for. Look, we're out of COVID just about. Um, Mm -hmm. Do a gratitude list. You're a blessed person. But what that does is it doesn't cheer us up. It shuts us down. And it makes us feel more alienated and alone and worse. So what I offer story sanctuaries to groups and healing memoirs to individuals so I'm going to particularly focus on my story sanctuaries for groups uh, in, in our call. So okay. what it enables each member of the group to do is to give expression to their feelings, story form, which means like through a fairy tale, through a poem, uh, from their writing or their drawing. You know, so when it's given in the structure of story, it's non retraumatizing So people get to express their feelings, release their emotional knots, and feel witnessed, feel heard, feel affirmed, there, because there's never any uh, um, argument. There's never any contradiction. There's no criticism. It's about witnessing one another. So my process is very simple. I'll share a creation tale, you know, an ancient creation tale, or a a poem that I'd like to share this evening on the call. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have people write, just free write, whatever comes to them. And in that process, they discover, if they don't know consciously, what they're really holding inside, and they get to put it on the page, which takes it out of body, out of mind, and it's, it's there in front of them. And then they're invited to share with the rest of the group, and these are always small, intimate, safe groups. They're invited to read to the group what they wrote. And then the group, isn't anybody in the group is invited to, to give feedback. And the feedback isn't advice. It's never advice. It's never anything that contradicts a person's feelings. It's about, oh, that image was so moving to me. Or, yes, I have that same feeling. Because that's what often happens. We te- you tell your story, and I hear mine deep inside. And what that does is create deeply resonant community that we just don't have the capacity to create in our ordinary lives, even with our families. We don't speak the language of metaphor. We don't speak the language of the healing imagination. We can't allow ourselves the full expression of these deep feelings that are particularly now being triggered by all these layers of trauma, these cascading traumas that keep arriving in our lives every week. So we then become bonded to each other in this group, and that bond becomes stronger than the world that's falling apart outside. So we Mm -hmm. hold each other stable in this time of, of really falling apart, of chaos. And it's a necessary time. I mean, if you read all the ancients and you read the great philosophers, destruction is part of creation. So an old era had to end, and it did end. And we haven't yet formed the new era. So we're in this sort of act two, this liminal space of trying to create something new that isn't yet formed. And in our personal lives, in our collective lives, But what is so beautiful to me about story is that it enables each of us to have our meta story that we're all living through at this time, but also our personal story that we share with one another and create really strong, deep community.
1: So, so do you find with members of your group who who do this, who who engage in storytelling and feel that group bond? Do you find that it helps them to then be able to move forward in their life? That they have more hope and optimism. What I notice, and this is consistent through all these groups, with
2: homeless people, prisoners, cancer patients, teens, street teens with AIDS. That something about being witnessed and, being, and sharing from the depths our deep story enables people to feel a mastery of their life, no matter what's happening. And it's, people seem to not only be restored, but to gain courage and to be able to take brave action, no matter how small, but something positive in their life because they're being mm-hmm. guided now by their core self, their deeper self, that is really what they came here for. And they've been supported and held by this community. Story okay. Community.
1: Okay. Well, that's really important, that, you know, that, that aspect of being able to come out and feel stronger. Um, what do you say to people who say, well, I can't do that because I can't write? I'm not good at writing.
2: Well, I tell them, first of all, they don't have to write. They can listen. Every, everything, is, And it's very necessary in any of these groups to give people full autonomy. So everything is by invitation. No one has to do anything. Maybe just listen, and that can be enough. But, but what I really want people to know is this is not about performance or product or Perfection. It's about creative process, shared creative process. So there are no mistakes. There is no judgment. There is only exploration, curiosity, expression of whatever comes forth. Because what comes forth comes from the healing imagination, which is connected to our intuition, to our soul, to our spirit, and it's what needs to emerge now in our personal and collective lives. so the, mm-hmm. the, the- the being it's about being present, and it's about learning to listen deeply to another person and to ourselves. And story uh it has been told from the, from forty thousand, fifty thousand years. Story is what built civilization mhm uh, people mhm-. People were terrified in the darkness of the African night, and they gathered around fires, and the elders of the tribe told stories that would give meaning to this, what we would now call trauma, but to them was just incomprehensible natural existence. And the elders and storytellers and the wise people would tell stories that guided the way that healed the fear, that guided the way, that created community, and people became little clusters of a village, and then a little town, and a city, and always, always, it's been guided by whatever the myth was of that particular culture, and place, and time. So now, the the myths that we've lived by are falling apart. And we're we're going back to the ancient myths, the old myths, to find myths that are more relevant to our time. So to help us create a new kind of story, a new kind of reality, with new values that it's more it's more uh, generative that that enables the earth to thrive and all people equally to thrive, and enables us to be. Human beings in our family, not just mm mm-hmm.
3: Mhm. Mhm.
1: I like the way that you frame that. That you know, the old stories are are not. Mm-hmm. It, they have to change. We're in a new time. Um, I like that that framing of it. And we don't really know what that time is. It's emerging,
2: it's, it's, and, and where it emerges most concretely for me is in these story sanctuaries, is in these kind of group situations with all kinds of people who didn't know each other before, um, who come from all all walks of life, um, but we we get grounded in an, like a, an ancient creation tale, in a poem, in a human poem that... holds the reality of what we're living through, but points the way to a new kind of way of looking at life. So that Mm -hmm. becomes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, our our framework, our new framework. And then whatever the particulars of our... What? Go on. No,
1: no, go on, go
2: on. Well, whatever the particulars of our life and our needs are, we give voice to that in... With, it, with our fellow members in these story sanctuaries. And I say they're sanctuaries because they're totally safe, because there's no judgment, because it's mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. about trying to create something new and healing together for personally
1: and communally. So now you are going to read a poem. Um... And, and, as a, and the poem, is, a, is, is that a form of healing to hear the poem, or is it something that you recommend people write about after, after the program? Yeah, what
2: I would like to suggest is that people have a pen or pencil or a computer or however you write best, or even a sketch pad, if, that, if drawing is your natural language. I'm going to read this beautiful poem by Mary Oliver, who's one of our most beloved poets called Wild Geese, and then what I suggest is that after the call, that you either, uh, I, sent the, I sent a copy to Mara, and she can send it to you if you'd like a copy of it, or it's, it's all over the internet, and you come back to this poem, and pick a few words or images that really stand out for you, and then free write. Free write for five minutes, a very contained piece of time, and then Find somebody that you trust and share it with them and have them, if they've done the same process, share it with you. So that's the process of my groups, but you would be doing it not in this group call, but on your own. Okay.
1: I'm going to actually um, take, um, what I'm going to do, Juliet, is I'm going to take a copy of the poem and I'm going to put it in the website post about this show. So after the program later tonight, people can go and look for it, and and then they can do that exercise um, on Great. their own. Great. So let so let's hear it.
2: Okay. So this poem is called Wild Geese, and it's a very famous poem. And listen to it carefully. Listen how the language changes from a kind of harsh, uh, from harsh and down, depressing images. To the images of nature which are so life giving and, and peaceful. So, this is my Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about your despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, Calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place
1: in the family of things. Very nice. Okay.
2: my suggestion is just to feel into that poem, to feel into the images that you heard, and pick one that stands out or two. And just let your pen flow on the page
1: and see what you find. Okay, okay, great. And again I'm going to post that on my website, um, on the post about the show later tonight so people can can take a look at that and and, and try out this exercise. Um, so so Julie, um, tell me about your group, sir. Are they, um, can people join in the group if they're not in the New York City area?
2: Yes, people join
1: in from all over the world.
2: And I'm going to be offering, I haven't set the dates yet, but I'm going to be offering a, a series of story sanctuaries that look at five elements of story. Each one looks at time, the setting and the ambiance, the characters, the situation, and the plot. In other words, plot is possibility. So this these sanctuaries are places of possibility. I'm going to be uh, putting that up online as soon as I can set a schedule for myself. But yes, and uh, I I usually offer an introductory one free, and then maybe the others are very affordable twenty dollars for a two hour workshop, and they're experiential. Mm-hmm. So this okay. process that I just this process that I just shared is what you will get to experience in the workshop
1: hmm okay so there are all your groups are virtual and people can join in from anywhere and that sounds very from affordable
2: in, from anywhere yes from anywhere in the world and i try to time these sanctuaries so that there's some commonality in the time um and i do see people in 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 the city in person but uh Mostly everything's been online, and I'm, I'm content with that for now. Okay,
1: okay. And you have a book coming out at some point, I understand. <laughs> yes,
2: I'm working on a book. I've been working on it for a long time. Uh, it's called The Beautiful Thing, A Rite of Passage from Shattering Loss to Wholeness in a World that Needs Your Story. So that's a long and cumbersome title that I haven't yet been able to pull in to where I want it to be, but uh, it's the beautiful thing. And the beautiful thing that we discover is, is the, the healing elixir of story, the medicine of story that we then take back to our families, to our communities, and use in our own lives. Okay. So I'm, I'm still, still working on it.
1: Okay. So if people are interested in finding out about your group and about your upcoming book, what would be the best way for them to do that?
2: Well, I'm on Facebook, Facebook Julia Bruce. Um and I have a Facebook page called The R- A Rite of Passage. That's my 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 book page actually, my. Well, I have a lot of story prompts and story exercises on that page. That's all on Facebook. My website is very simple, Um And if you want to contact me about this, this session or any other thing, I'm, I'm julietbrucephd at Gmail. Very simple. And okay. I'm beginning to make video, YouTube videos that will further describe my process.
1: Okay. How can they find your YouTube channel? So the, the, it's the story zone, the story zone on YouTube, the story zone. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, I'm again, I'm going to post all of that on the post about this show. So if people weren't ready to write it down, they can find it later tonight along with the podcast of this show. That They want to listen to it again. Um, well, thank you so much, Juliet, for, for being on the program. Um, I think we really need as much healing as we can get right now and as much help moving forward and getting unstuck and finding our new story.
2: You, you said it, Mara. That's exactly it. Together we're creating a new story and a new reality. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for inviting mm-hmm. me and giving me a chance to share my beautiful work with people. Yeah.
1: And you have a good evening. I hope the I hope the lights come back on soon <laughs> <Thank you> so <laughs> <Good a lot. laughs> okay all right okay. We'll, we'll talk again soon you, you okay. take care thank now you. thank right. you so much bye-bye. bye-bye all right we're going to take a quick break don't go anywhere we'll be right back
0: Dr. Mera's book The Passionate Life Creating Vitality and Joy at any age is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick Carpel and your golden years, live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmerrickharpell.com.
1: All right, and we are back. Um, If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpel.com. And again, I'll be posting that poem um, as well as all of the contact information um, and information sites that Juliet spoke about on my website later tonight along with the podcast of this program. And I wanted to talk just a little bit, uh, continue a little bit about um, depression in older adults. Last week, I went to a pretty extensive list of symptoms and and ways to recognize when an older person might be depressed and and would benefit from being evaluated by a mental health practitioner for depression um, because, um late life depression is not always uh easy to recognize it it's not as simple as one might think um it's not just about feeling sad or expressing sadness and sometimes it it actually does not include the appearing sad or or saying that there that a person is sad, that that's actually a symptom that is often absent in an older person with depression. So there are many other symptoms. And um, again, if you want to um, take a look at that, if you didn't hear, if you want to take a listen about that, if you didn't hear last week's um, program, you can go back and listen to the episode from last Sunday. And I will be posting a blog about it soon, listing the symptoms of late-life depression. Um, But I want to talk about why it's often missed in addition to the fact that the obvious symptoms of depression are not necessarily there with an older person. The symptoms tend to be different with an older person. There are some other reasons why it's missed as well as um, the problem with missing Late life depression And also the treatment So uh, I'm just going to start it off This evening and if we don't have time I'll continue it next week Um, So you know I don't know if you've heard This term before I've used it before Um, It's been a while since I've talked About this but we're In a time that's been coined The silver tsunami And that means that There are more older people still living in our population than has ever been before. The U.S. Census Bureau um, estimates that there are more than 50 million people over the age of 65 in the United States with seniors representing 16.5% of the population. And, With that, it's now estimated that one in five Americans are family caregivers, according to the National Alliance for Caregiving and AARP, and 34% of family caregivers are themselves over the age of 65. So there's over 65 taking care of elderly spouses or parents. And... So many of us find ourselves suddenly caring for the for elderly loved ones without any guidance or roadmap to doing so, and the task can be extremely overwhelming, um, which leads to 17% of caregivers reporting their own health has gotten worse since becoming caregivers. And one issue that often creates the stress um, for elderly loved ones and for the caregivers' Ourselves is when Our elderly loved ones Become depressed In dealing with the depression um, Of the people that we're caring for Studies for the CDC The Centers for Disease Control And Prevention Estimate that 7 million American adults over the age of 65 Experience depression Each year 7 million And And between 2020 and 2022, because of the effects of COVID-19, depression and anxiety have increased dramatically for people over the age of 80, uh, according to the 2020 profile of older Americans. And the phenomenon of late-life depression, as I mentioned, can go, often goes unrecognized, and the consequences of the depression not being treated because it's been unrecognized can be quite severe and that's why the NIH the National Institutes of Health health have called late life depression a public health problem because it increases the risk of illness and death it decreases physical cognitive and social functioning and it increases the risk of suicide in older adults so you know obviously it's no fun to be depressed at any age No matter how old you are, if you've ever been depressed, you know that it robs you of your own vitality, your joy, your passion for life. Not only that, it affects everyone around you and everyone who cares about you. Everyone's affected by your depression. But depression in later life has further negative consequences. Um, It includes severe impairments in physical, mental, and social functioning. For example, older adults are nearly twice as likely to develop heart disease or have a heart attack if if they're depressed than their non-depressed counterparts. And late-life depression boosts the chances of death from heart disease to five times suffered by non-depressed older adults who have heart disease. So two older adults have heart disease, one is depressed and one isn't. The so one who is depressed is more likely to die from the heart disease. Um, believe it or not, depression also has a tendency to lower the immune system in older adults and this leads to a greater risk of contracting new diseases, infectious diseases, and in, in, even an increased risk of developing cancer. Um, older adults who have depression um, have more difficulty recovering from strokes, from hip fractures, and from pulmonary disease, lung disease. So um, there There is a term called psychoneuroimmunology, psychoneuroimmunology, and that's the interaction of the mind and the immune system. Um, So in a recent study published in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology, it was found that older adults who experienced even a mild depression that lasted for a period of 18 months had a significantly lowered immune system. And in that study, 78 older adults, um, the average age was 72 and a half years old, were studied, and they found that the 22 older adults who reported long-lasting mild depressive symptoms were less able than the 56 older adults who reported no depression symptoms to generate sufficient white blood cells in order to fight off infectious agents. Another study appeared in the Journal of Infectious Diseases in 1998, and it found that symptoms of depression in older adults are associated with a higher risk for contracting shingles, that very painful um, virus. Um, If you're people who are depressed, older adults who are depressed had a significantly higher rate of shingles. And a study published in 2003 found that even after getting a flu shot, those older adults who were mildly depressed had less immunity to the flu than those older adults who were not depressed. So the the um, outcome of depression, the consequences of depression in older adults can be pretty significant. And they can also be very costly because of um, the physical problems that go along with being depressed. And in general, even before the pandemic, older adults were more likely to experience a decrease in social connection um, due to retirement widowhood, children leaving home, age-related problems. And as I spoke about last week, COVID-19 has caused two years of increased social isolation, impacting all adults, but impacting older adults at a much higher rate because older adults have had to isolate themselves um, because they tended to become sicker from COVID. So they had to protect themselves. So it's caused more depression, and I don't know the rates of depression at this point after two years of COVID, but I would guess that they're higher than the statistics that I, even, that I just mentioned a uh, few minutes ago. Now, in spite of the prevalence of depression in older, adult, older adults and the severe consequences of late-life depression, Only a small percentage of older adults who are diagnosed with depression receive adequate treatment for it. And one reason for this is the misconception that symptoms seen with late life depression are normal, normal results of aging and the stresses that come along with age. Um, Often family members, professionals who come in contact with Depressed older adults and even physicians may have the attitude of, if I were old, I would be depressed too. And the depressed person, him or herself, may also say, anyone at my age with my problems would feel this way. Although depression is common in this age group, especially those who are experiencing environmental and physical stresses, I really want to stress that it's not normal, quote-unquote normal, to feel depressed no matter your age. Um, Depression is an emotional and a medical condition that can and should be treated at any age that it occurs. And there are many things that can be done to prevent depression in late life, um, similar to depression, preventing depression in younger ages. Um, as I talked about a couple of weeks ago when I talked about preventing depression during this difficult time, um, and I wrote about it in my blog, Preventing the Spiral Down of Depression During These Difficult Times, I gave a whole list of, of things that can be done to prevent depression, and one of them um, is... Um, increasing social interaction because um, the social isolation of COVID um, is one of the causes of the increase of depression. So the opposite of that is to start to try to be around more people, even if it's virtually, even if the interactions are in a group like Dr. Bruce just talked about, being in a a storytelling group, a healing storytelling group virtually and having the support of other people to hear um, what you're going through and to talk about their experiences that are similar to be around like-minded people. Um, Doing that virtually is pretty powerful. You don't necessarily have to be in the company of another person. So, There are many treatments for late-life depression. Um, So sometimes that treatment has to do with going to a medical doctor and evaluating if the medication that um, an older person might be on for medical issues is causing the depression. There are many medications that actually have a side effect of depression, and so a doctor can evaluate if another medication might work without having that side effect or a different treatment for the medical issue it's also it also might be that there is a medical issue in itself that's causing the depression so having that evaluated medically to treat that issue is is important and there are also medications that do work With older adults, I know that there is a fear of giving more medication to an older adult because of increased side effects and because of the possibility of being on a lot of other medications that could interact with each other, but there are medications that are gentler and are effective, and so um, I would not rule out medication treatment for an older adult, but I would recommend seeing a physician who specializes in geriatrics um, so that they are aware of the side effects that can occur from medication treatment with an older adult. They are aware of the interactions of medications with medical issues and they're aware of the interaction of the various medications that their patient might already be on. So having um, having an evaluation with a geriatrician, a, a medical doctor who is trained in geriatrics um, and even a psychiatrist who is trained in geriatrics is really important. Um, it, it, you would not want to treat uh, the, with medication the same way that you would treat a younger adult. Medications Work differently, the metabolism is different in an older adult, but can be very effective. Also, psychotherapy with um, older adults can be very effective. So, um, if somebody is in a nursing home, very often there are psychologists that come into the nursing home or social workers who come into the nursing home specifically to see. Residents in the nursing home who are dealing with mental health issues, so I would definitely ask about that. Um, there are organizations that will send um, a therapist in if the if the nursing home is or assisted living or independent living um, community doesn't have their own psychotherapist. Um, I believe Catholic charities has uh, social workers I know Jewish family services has social workers who do psychotherapy and those are national federal organizations so they have people all over this country um, in every state who can see your loved one and help them to deal with the various issues that um, of causing them to feel depressed <clears throat> so what is the role of the caregivers the loved ones in this situation um, family friends community professionals can can be the ones who can recognize late life depression so again knowing the symptoms the uh, of late-life depression is really important, the things to look for. And this can be really important to share with the medical doctor. If you notice that your loved one's behavior is changing, that you're starting to see um, more irritability, more desire to sleep all the time, um, depressive statements, uh more physical pain that does not have an explanation. These are things to discuss with your loved one's medical doctor um, and maybe even discuss having them evaluated by a psychiatrist or a mental health practitioner, psychologist. Um, Any significant change in your loved one's behavior should be evaluated either for a medical issue or an emotional issue. And um, then encourage your loved one to receive treatment, to participate in treatment. Um, If you need to, make the appointment for them and take them to treatment. If your loved one is agreeable, speak to the doctor yourself about the symptoms you've noticed and why you became concerned in the first place. And if you suspect that your loved one is suicidal, don't take no for an answer. Make them see a doctor or a mental health professional. And if they live at home and you feel that they're suicidal, call an ambulance if they are threatening to hurt themselves and refuse to be taken for help. Encourage them to stick to the treatment, even if it doesn't feel like it's working right away. So if they're taking medication for the depression, it could take uh, it could take two weeks for the medication to start to work. So encourage them to stick to that. If they're getting psychotherapy, it's not going to be instantaneous that they start to feel better. Encourage them to stick to it. And don't expect your loved one to just snap out of it. Um, be understanding, be patient um, don't tell them to just cheer up and don't assume that they just aren't trying hard enough if they if they're um, feeling really sleepy or tired or fatigued because of um, depression it's not it's not a, something that they're just going to snap out of they need understanding and and as I mentioned, social interaction is really important um, to help to prevent depression and to help come out of the depression. But social interaction is the one is one of the um, one of the behaviors that someone who is depressed does not want to do. One of the symptoms of depression is the lack of desire to interact socially. So. Um, it doesn't, it feels counterintuitive for someone to be around people when they're depressed. They feel like they just don't want to be around people, that it might make them feel worse. So encourage them, encourage your loved one to interact with other people. Encourage them to engage in social activity. And if they're able to, encourage them to engage in physical activity because that is another um, way to help someone who's feeling depressed is to um, start moving your body. Um, That helps to prevent depression and it also helps to get yourself out of a depression. So I'm going to end right there. Um, I think... There's a lot more to it, and I will be writing about this. I will be speaking about it some more. It's a really important topic and one that doesn't get a lot of um, discussion Um, and a lot of attention. So on that note, we're going to end the show a little bit early, and I want to let you know what's coming up next week. It's Memorial Day weekend, and we're going to be back with another show. Uh, May 29th, um, and will be joined once again from Washington State by Terry Hershey, who is a worldwide speaker, blogger, minister, and author of several books, including The Power of Pause, and his latest book written during the, during the, right in the midst of the pandemic, Stand Still, Finding Balance When the World Turns Upside Down. And as we emerge from two years of a global pandemic, as we just discussed in, our converse, in my conversation with uh, Juliet Bruce, the world is anything but peaceful. And now Terry is going to join us um, to help us find some peace within so that we can bring peace into the world. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show and get those Website links and the poem and the exercise that we discussed. Go to my website, drmaricarpel And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B L O G Talk slash Your Golden Years. And you can also listen to it on Apple Podcasts in about five minutes from now. Um, for upcoming shows and events, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Juliet Bruce, and thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Um, and this show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by amightygoodtime.com. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring week, and remember... Youth has no age. Good night, everyone.
3: Comes a time when you're all alone. Comes a time, gotta write that song. May not make any sense at all. But it's up to you, keep a smile on your face Now I've been young mostly every day Just like you, don't you ever change Cause this world's getting pretty old And it's up to you, keep a smile on your face Butterflies down
0: Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpel is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpel, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given
3: on this show.